Welcome back to Ravens Recap. Well, certainly hope you're not driving anywhere right now because go through <laughs> this episode, you're going to need, you know, a cold one, a slice of chocolate cake, you know, whatever, whatever it is you use to drown your sorrows because it was another rough divisional game for the Ravens on Sunday, a game that we thought the Browns had a good chance of winning. At the same time, though, the loss or at least the injury to Lamar Jackson. We're not exactly sure yet if it's a loss or to what extent the injury will be. It was not fun. Uh, but Tyler Huntley tried to get them back in the win column. They came up short. And now the Ravens are still in first place in the AFC North, but that lead is dwindling as the weeks go. So, all right, guys, I guess we've just got to dive right into this one and just get it all out and look forward well first off uh we gotta thank the san francisco 49ers for defeating the Bengals at home yesterday because yeah if it weren't for that the ravens would be tumbling down in the rankings it <laughs> it's funny a couple of games ago we we're thinking like oh eight and three like we're really good like we're gonna you know we're at the top of the afc and now it's like okay well now we're fourth seed and now it's well we're only a game out if we lose another game and the Bengals go up we're on the outside looking in kind of thing. It's it's amazing how close the AFC is this year. But yeah, man, it's just overall a pretty rough game. Um, deflating. I mean, just to not just Lamar Jackson, but Clay's Campbell also exited the game early. I mean, you hate to see players like that kind of exit. Um, I'm not gonna lie, for me, you know, after kind of hearing the news of both of them, for about a quarter, uh I was just down I was just I was I was almost checked out at that point. Halftime hit, and I think it got a little bit more back into the game as as we were kind of uh, picking up the pace a little bit and, and scoring a few points. But um, yeah, gosh, it's one of those few games out there where it's just it, there's 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 just so much to kind of deflate the fan base, right? It, we've we've been dealing with injuries all year, and and this was kind of a game where it's just like, oh, wait a minute, hold on. I, I don't know if there's anything that the Ravens can do to get back from this if these injuries are as bad as, as they seem. So it was a definite low point, I think, for everybody. Yeah, I stopped taking notes after Lamar went down. I um, just couldn't, like, do that. I was talking to Rachel after the game. I'm like, you know, I love the podcast. I love talking to you guys. But, like, it makes me, like, get... Like, I feel like I've gotten much more uh, technical when watching games. It's like, I got my computer out to take notes. I'm, like, checking Twitter because the announcers don't tell you the update stuff when it comes to injuries right like twitter will tell you that stuff and then like i got the chat with all the guys like everyone that's watching in the game day chat and i'm just like i am just like all like aspects like just total like in you know a zone of watching a game and it's it's exhausting <laughs> frankly <laughs> like and i was just like after the deflatingness of the injuries i and just the way the game was going i was just like i'm not taking notes i'm just going to try to like watch the game chat with the boys and just it is what it is and then during halftime because we had a, a holiday shindig i i you know rachel drove thankfully and then i was watching on the, U- the yahoo app i put do not disturb on because i was like i'll be behind you know watching there and you know just watching the game and then i get there and and my buddy swank is like oh i got your speakers that they borrowed from me so i i, I go put my speakers away the game's going, right? I come back and they had scored. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, they're in the game now. So I, I watched much more intently after that. Like, and then I was like, oh man. And then, you know, came up short, but I was just like, like you said, Chris, like I kind of like checked out. I was just like, ah, I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Like I'll watch it later. You know, <laughs> like I know I'm going to watch it later, so it doesn't need to be now. I'm just sad. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel you, man. It's just, I was much more uplifted by the end of it, but I think as a fan, it was really challenging this game. Yeah, it, it was interesting from, and I think this is great that we all had different perspectives of it. I know that that for me, gosh, last week was just um, my work week combined with just everything I do with family was just so packed. Nothing bad happened, but it was just like I was just on all all day, every day of the week. So I was just looking forward quite a bit more than normal to just sitting down and watching a football game. And like when Lamar got hurt, because I was just like, ecstatic to just be relaxing on the couch I was just like that really sucks and that's probably not good for the rest of the season but I'm just happy to watch football <laughs> I just so I I feel like I I uh settled into the the state of acceptance that it was now down to you know Tyler Huntley and a collection of of other reserves at this point since you know you're left with really just the Ravens receivers Kevin Zeitler and Patrick Queen, it feels like, is like the only ones left. There's a couple more beside that. But yeah, it took me a little bit to, to until really not until the second half to me to realize, oh, shit, Lamar's out and it's going to be tough to, to do anything with him. Because I mean, Huntley, he struggled a bit when he got in there, uh, like he did against Chicago. But, um, and, and Chris mentioned this in the chat, as, as the game wore on, you started to see him get more and more confident. We started seeing some of that, uh, you know, kind of YOLO ball that he had in the preseason of just of, I always think of, of <laughs> Huntley, for whatever reason, his play just reminds me of like a, a, you know, you just throw a bowling ball down a lane with bumpers and it's just going back and forth off the bumpers. <laughs> just kind of feels like when he gets out there and there's, there's pros and cons to that. Obviously there was a fumble on that killed a very strong drive right out of halftime. But we did see as the Browns went into some more prevent defense, as they got tired in the fourth quarter, we did see Huntley take some more chances, both from a rushing perspective and a passing perspective, and ignited the offense to look honestly the best it's looked since since the game against the Colts. And I think we'll get into that as well, because I think there is it is worth some discussion on Lamar. And, you know, we'll have to see what state he is in going forward. But even before he got out of this game, he he did not look very confident in my opinion probably that would have changed as the game wore on I think he would have had similar chances that Huntley did in the second half but it was still frustrating to see yet another slow start but yeah I mean this is going to be really interesting to see what happens the rest of the way I think as as fans and as a team the Ravens have taken an extreme next man up position so uh, you know there is still hope in that regard but I mean, at some point, there's at some point, like you sign these guys for a reason. And Alec tweeted out how much I think I can't remember if Alec said it on the chat or on Twitter how much Cap is is currently injured for the Ravens. Oh, that was a segment of the last Ravens recap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's just you know, at some point, it's just like you know, you paid all those guys money for a reason, and other teams played paid their guys uh, who are healthy for a reason. So. I'm not saying the Ravens can't make it to the Super Bowl because I believe anytime the Ravens field a team, they have the mentality and the ability to pull it off. 
but the odds of it like keep looking slimmer and slimmer as the weeks go on. <laughs> yeah, I think the on the injury front, and I want to circle back to Tyler Huntley in a second. But on the injury front, I think not only does the the percentage of cap on injured reserve is, is kind of tells a, a big picture, but I think just like look at the like just count the number of players. Right, so I, your tweets going around now of like all the like significant players that the Ravens have lost on there, and it might be like, yeah, I don't know what the total number is, but significant players contributors maybe around like twelve people. I mean, just twelve people out of fifty three, like that's all. Like you're almost to like twenty five percent. You're between twenty and twenty five percent of your roster. That's <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> like you don't think of it. It's just like oh, it's only ten guys. Like you fifty, but then when you look at the total number, it's like that's actually a huge perspective. And if you're you know, looking at the number and say, okay, well, how many of those guys were your, you know, Stars. top twenty players yeah. or something, right? <laughs> like the, your 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 blue chip players or something, right? How many of them are on there? And then how many other blue chip players do you have left, right? I mean, gosh, we got Marlowe on there. I mean, we've got Stanley on there. Those are definitely like two blue chip players on their second contract, homegrown players. And then you have other guys in there who are also like you know, big contributors. And it, yeah. It, Uh, it's amazing man that they've gotten this far i think you know it's hard now obviously going into the beginning of the season we were you know all hoping for super bowl aspirations but uh you know to see everybody kind of go down and down and down it's getting hard to watch because you know we had such high expectations but on the flip side from what we saw with the ravens in the second half of that game they've got a lot of fight left i don't know how much more they do but they definitely showed that they weren't uh they weren't going to just roll over and, and get routed in that game. They were going to come back and almost pulled out a victory. So despite everything that's happened, uh, definite shout out to, to all those guys and John Harbaugh coaching staff and for just, you know, making their guys believe and continue to perform. The coaching staff, man, it's sad that I don't think John Harbaugh will win coach of the year because usually it's a record game. It's a turnaround story, but I feel like, Honestly, this is John Harbaugh's best year, you know, as a coach. The way that this team is competing with how many pieces have been lost, the way that the coordinators have been able to scheme around it and make them competitive. And uh, I think uh, I'll steal from the Lounge podcast. They said that everyone, you know, thinks of it as Lamar's team, but it's starting to show it's actually John Harbaugh's team just by the level of uh, grit and resilience despite injury that keeps showing up and even with Lamar down you see the team fighting and keeping competitive Um, it's really a huge testament to what's going on in there Uh, that this is probably the best team you know like the Ravens ever put together just because the fact of how deep we are into the roster now and how well they're still able to execute so I think to kind of sum up what you were saying Chris I agree with you like the uh, expectation management has been difficult as a fan who you know goes into the season looking at the roster, excited uh, at the potential, and then you had the big injuries in the preseason, followed by the injuries throughout the year that have just resulted in this team being a shell of its potential self that we actually never saw, yet still producing. And just you have to like get over the what ifs of even if half these guys were healthy, how good is this team and you know, it will always eat you up a little bit when you think about that. But the team we have right now, uh, for better or worse, is going to stick with it and they're going to compete. And 
we got to just enjoy the journey at this point because we'll get to the topic later, but the tanking culture is not with this team, which is abundantly clear by how they operate in the second half. So uh, we need to just buckle up for the ride of the scrappy resilience and whatever happens, happens and just be okay with it. (laughs) You know, enjoy the journey. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems like a good time to talk about it now. I know that's a common theme, right? Of, of, teams who kind of go in with high expectations and then suddenly find themselves like, oh, wait a minute, you know, they're on the outside looking in, they're not going to get anywhere, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. The first question immediately is like, okay, well, if you already know that, then why don't you tank and get a better draft pick? Yeah, I think we we talked about it in our uh, in our game day chat, I think the other day, and there's, you know, I, I think it's, it's worth repeating here, but <laughs> there is a 0% chance that this franchise, this regime of this franchise is ever going to do that. It's just, it's a non-starter. Don't even bring it up. It's not going to la- like, you ask Harbaugh, he's just going to laugh in your face and say, next question, right? It, like the, I think this, this game is kind of proof enough that it's never going to happen. It They're always going to compete, always going to fight. And at the end of the day too, like, look, tanking for a better draft pick, that's not going to do anything. Like, yeah. We have Eric DaCosta, and yeah, I'm sure he'd love more draft capital, but we have, you know, was it eight or nine picks in the first four rounds next year? We have a lot. There's, like, a lot of picks there. And so it's not really about, like, getting a higher pick. Like, we already have all the ammunition that we need to be able to do that. It's not going to get you anything, right? It's not like if you, you know, you drop 10 spots in the draft or whatever, you get a Hall of Fame player. That's not how it works. That's not how the draft works, right? It's a crapshoot anyway. So if you're thinking about that, just throw that out. That's not going to happen. Uh, I'm with you, Alex. Just you know, enjoy the ride for for what it is. We may not win another game, and if so, like that's okay. Maybe next year will be the year, but don't tank. That's that's not fun to watch. I will say, I mean, Ravens Twitter got a little little piece of it. I was pretty downtrodden. <laughs> I was just like packing in boys. Like when when Lamar went down, I was just like, <laughs> I will volunteer as the clipboard holder slash backup quarterback. No one else needs to get hurt this year. It's not worth it. I'm sad. <laughs> But you can I guess you it, can do it in the moment right in the moment i get it that's like it's totally valid but like if you're still thinking that way like 24 48 hours after i'm like now nah, nah, get your nah, i'm ready on, to go get on. them man i'm ready to go cover against the packers you know i'm not yeah. saying they're gonna win but I'm a, they're gonna definitely cover damn it <laughs> we'll yeah. keep it close <laughs> yeah two points on the on the tanking talk before uh we move on because i i agree i don't think we need to spend too much time on it because regardless of what any individual fans opinion is like you guys said the Ravens aren't going to do that and honestly I think that's the right move for this team you look at how when the Ravens have had lost seasons they've been able to bounce back very quickly obviously you know immediately coming to mind 2005 2007 2015 were obvious lost seasons um you know some other fans might pepper in some of the eight and eight you know just missed the playoff seasons in that category as well but I think you look at all three of those seasons in December, this team still fought. There were big victories, actually one of which we'll talk about in the next episode on the Wayback Machine, because it ironically was Aaron Rodgers' first extended action in the NFL, and the Ravens' defense welcomed him to the NFL quite rudely. So <laughs> we'll have some fun with Caleb on that. But yeah, I think you look at that, and I think one of the reasons that this team bounces back from disappointing season so quickly is because they never keep take away that mentality that any given week they can win I think that 
those momentum swings they've had in December and those lost seasons have translated into the next season. So I, I think there's other sports where tanking might make more sense, particularly basketball is one where I can think of where, you know, one player can really turn around the team uh, in a season. But I think from a football perspective, just continuing to go out and fight every week and continue to keep that part of the, of the organization and the team's culture is the best thing you can do going forward. And then having uh, a front office that knows how to draft. I mean, you look at this at what this team has done in the past four drafts. 32nd overall pick in the 2018 draft, Lamar Jackson. 2019, 25th overall pick in the first round, Marquise Brown. 2020, 28th overall pick, Patrick Queen. 2021 draft, 27th overall, Rashad Bateman. 31st overall, Odafe. Oh, wait, this team has been hitting it out of the park late in the first round recently. I, I don't think they could get that much you get that much more of a value of a guy higher up. And I mean, sure, we can talk about, okay, they can get a little higher in, in the later rounds, but they're still hitting pretty well there too. So I I do get it if you if you want the Ravens to pack it in and, and tank. I'm, I'm not saying that's a wrong opinion. I disagree. But also at the same time, like we're saying, the Ravens are going to fight. So it really, you, you either are, are okay with that or you got to find a way to be okay with it. <laughs> so as we mentioned, Tyler Huntley, came into the game for the injured Lamar Jackson and uh, did his Tyler Huntley thing. I think, Peter, you, I like the way you put it with uh, the bouncing back and forth that is Tyler Huntley. You know, he holds the ball with the worst ball security I've ever seen. My uh, grandfather's rolling in his grave being like, he's holding it like a loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> He'd always say that. He was an old uh, football coach. So if anyone ever had, you know, maybe their parents or something, probably, or maybe maybe even the listeners, I don't know, that uh, played that in that era. <laughs> You might have known Coach Pulianis, but uh, yeah, he uh, he uh, definitely had some thoughts about the way that Huntley's holding the ball. And overall, though, you know, he is a scrappy gamer, and I feel like one of the best backups in the league. I think he could be serviceable at a, a franchise who needs a quarterback. I think he uh, could be great on the Broncos right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like. I'm pretty happy with his play. I don't hate rolling him out there again if we have to, if Lamar's still hurt. And they seem to, I don't know, the offense goes with him. Like, I'm not saying that it doesn't go with Lamar. It's just, it's it's not that bad, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I thought it was pretty good. For me, I mean, I, I think Huntley played well in the Bears game. Like, not, he had the one interception, which may be a little bit fluky. But overall, you know, was generally okay with the football and made the right reads. His completion percentage was fairly good. You know, he didn't do anything to lose the game, but I don't think he really did anything to win the game either. But I feel like with this game, I think he just kind of took his play and just, I mean, turned it up to almost 11, right? I mean, this is as about as good as I would have expected from Huntley. I mean, one common criticism I think that I had with the Bears game is that, you know, I think the Bears rushers, I think, were very quick. And so Tyler was either a little bit late in being able to escape the pocket or just it didn't seem like he really had the speed to kind of evade those rushers. Whereas if that's Lamar, I mean, Lamar is known for kind of doing that. And so, you know, you kind of expect him to do that. But against the Browns, I mean, Huntley had no issues whatsoever escaping the pocket and being able to either go off and run for it or be able to make a play downfield. And the biggest thing for me that really kind of set the difference between this game and the Bears game was that his accuracy was just on point. I mean, it seemed like in that second half, he was he wasn't missing anything. It seemed like I mean, he was hitting the underneath throws. He was hitting some deep throws, especially to Bateman. 
Uh, the only thing that I wish he just had is he needs to improve that accuracy of the deep ball to Hollywood Brown because it's still not there. It wasn't there last year against the Bills in the playoffs. <laughs> it's not there now. He needs to work on that a little bit because, yeah, if he was able to hit that, that's a game winner. Uh, you know, the Ravens walk away with a victory here and, you know, we're, we're singing his praises and everything. But, I mean, overall, you give him the whole body of work, man. I Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. He's He's performed extremely well. And at this point, I feel confident if we need to roll with him, then we can do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think with Huntley, it just comes down to confidence, which is just going to come with more reps. When this guy is confident and he just lets himself make plays, he's really good out there. I think the some of the issues he had against the Bears and then also on that last drive uh, after the onside kick was just coming down to, I don't know if it's thinking too much or just, you know, he hasn't been in that situation in the NFL level, but I, you, you can definitely see a, a difference in the plays when that are successful and the ones that aren't, but I mean, yeah, I, I agree with what you guys are saying with his pedigree. He's a fringe uh, starting quarterback in this league. Not saying at all that he's a replacement for Lamar Jackson. Anyone who's saying that is ridiculous. But he has some similar skill sets to Lamar. So for the skill position guys, particularly Andrews and Bateman, it's not that much of a difference. Uh, he does need to work on his timing with with Hollywood. He. I mean, I think Hollywood should should take it as a compliment. The guy clearly thinks that that he's even faster than than he really even is in real life. <laughs> he just continues to throw the ball five yards further downfield than he is. But I certainly hope Lamar can come back and can be the Lamar we all know and and have come to really enjoy watch playing for this team. But if Huntley's the guy, even with all these injuries, I still think there's a very outside shot that the Ravens can make a run because. I mean, this guy is is a playmaker back there, and he's someone defenses have to respect. I'll say this. The way the defense is playing and the way that Huntley's playing, if people are all crazy about the Patriots and their Mac-led uh, <laughs> offense, we could be really excited about Huntley with his weapons, all right? All right? <laughs> and that is an important thing to bring up, man, and we'll, I guess we'll just talk about that, too. Huntley is inheriting the best receiving corp in Ravens history. I mean, with with he's already and he already has great connections with Bateman and and Andrews. Like I already said, he's getting Duvernay involved as well. He'll get to the timing down with Marquise Brown if he has to. Um, and that's not even to mention our our, our boy James Prochet as well, who might have uh, uh, James, who might have some snaps if if Watkins is going to have to miss time. So you look at the cast around him. Sure, we don't have running backs, but he, like Lamar, he is his own running back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I only, I only, I always sigh about James because of. Uh, I think his assignment was a little blown on that that last fourth down play. Ah, he might have been the reason. He might have been the reason that we didn't get the conversion there. I mean, it was a really good play by Ward. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I think uh, Prochet ran a little bit better route if the ball was a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of little bit here theirs so that could have helped that play, but. Like I said, if, if if Huntley doesn't fumble at the beginning of the second half, they don't even need that. Or the charity case of a field goal they got at the beginning of the game when the whole Ravens Twitter was a beehive of, uh, or uh, what is it, hive brain rather, of like uh, everyone saying refs three, Ravens zero because of those uh, PIs. Good grief. But we'll talk about the defense later. I think uh, this is all good stuff though about Huntley. I mean, it, it kind of was interesting because the other undertone of this whole offensive performance was that uh the inactive list was Boyle out and Ricard which was huge because 
we haven't seen this team not have one or the other on the field all year long. And we know how often we go into those heavy looks. I said on Twitter right before the game, like the only good thing about this injury report is we might see more of the 11 personnel that I've been banging the table for. And I think at the end of the day, we saw more of it, obviously, but more interestingly, I think almost the injury to Watkins <laughs> led to more, you know, Bateman and Duvernay time and and overall maybe just a little bit more explosiveness. I'm starting to wonder if those three with obviously Hollywood Brown might be the the best three that we can put on a field at a time, just given skill set and what they bring. I guess going forward, I hope, you know, that Ricard and Boyle are able to come back, but it was interesting to finally see what that offense looks like when they don't lean as heavy onto the heavy packages. Well, I can say the one downside of not having Ricard on the field is that uh, Villanueva and Phillips, I think we're having a heck of a time dealing with Garrett. I know we usually don't like to talk, you know, complain too much about penalties, but I mean, I think overall the penalties in this game were just crazy. But, uh, I mean, it felt like every play, if it wasn't a pass interference call on the defense, it was a holding penalty in Alejandro Villanueva. And I think he had two of them called, I believe. And, I mean, he just had a heck of a time with, with Garrett. You know, I think that would have been one place that probably would have been a little bit better. Again, if Ricard was in the game, does he get that forced fumble and recovery for a touchdown? Maybe not. We'd definitely like to have that back. But, I mean, otherwise, I mean... I kind of agree with you. Like, I think the offense was was fine. I mean, it actually, in some respects, seemed a lot better than it has been in the last couple of weeks, just because like you know Huntley overperformed. I think where what anybody expected. But yeah, I mean, I think the injury for Ricard though, it sounds like it was kind of a week to week thing I mean, that he could have gone, but just wasn't feeling it today. So um, I wouldn't be too worried about him missing any more time. Boyle, on the other hand, I don't think there's anything definitive at this point, but I guess it's kind of a wait and see. I don't know. I, I don't think, I, I don't know if he's going to play any more games this year for us, like maybe one or two at the end or something, but I just kind of have a hard time seeing it at this point. Yeah, I, I think you both bring up great points with kind of the catch-22 the Ravens are in. Like Alec is saying, the offense was explosive in that those spread wide receiver sets, bringing out four guys. Um, which we've been talking about them doing, but then Chris brings up an excellent point there with it puts a heck of a lot more pressure on Villanueva and Phillips at the tackle spots, who in both those guys are struggling mightily against athletic ends. So there's going to be some give and take that the Ravens are going to have to figure out. But I think that especially considering you know, Huntley is also a mobile quarterback like like Lamar. He has to work on his pocket presence, sure, um, so that might not work. But I think the answer is to, to continue to do the spread receiver sets because that's today's NFL, and you have plenty of guys out there who can make plays. And, and defenses aren't expecting it as much because that's not what the Ravens have really been doing. But it'll be tough because <laughs> they need some help for the tackles, but you know, they're going to have to get creative going forward with all these injuries, and that's what they've been doing all year. So, you know, I could I could see them going that direction if they think they can mitigate the risk that it will cause to the, the pass protection. Overall, I think the Ravens will be better off in the spread. And, I, and the reason I say that is because, honestly, if you tell me, for instance, when you had the blitzes, they're like, oh, the hot read is this guy, and they throw the hot read. Obviously, it doesn't always work out for a good gain or anything, but part of me is just like, 
I'd rather do hot reads or just get creative with like moving the pocket, which I did the very like first game of the play of the game. And I was like, Oh, that was so good. And I never really went back to it. <laughs> and then like using tempo uh, to their advantage, which again, they did at the very beginning of the game and eventually got back to, but I think there are ways to neutralize pass rushes that aren't improving the play of your uh, tackles. And I think the spread 11 personnel gives you the best playmakers on the field to actually execute. And at this point in the season, if you're not going to have time in the pocket every time guaranteed, I want to be able to throw it to the best player makers on the field and not to like Tomlinson. Just being honest, right? Like, like you have Tomlinson blocking half the time. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> I'd rather have Bateman out there, right? Like I think the tackles are so bad that even with help, they might still be bad. So you might as well give yourself more playmakers to throw to. Hot take. I never played, you know, or never been high by the NFL, but that's where my head's at. <laughs> Certainly an argument. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about getting your best players on the field. I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> it's a novel concept, boys. Best players on the field. With that comment, though, it's like, do we play Watkins or Alejandro Villanueva? Do we just go with four linemen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can Watkins play tackle? Maybe. <laughs> Can Ricard play tackle? No one's asked that question yet. <laughs> he said he would volunteer. At this point, he might need to. <laughs> oh, sad save affairs, boys. <laughs> the tackle situation. Obviously, you know the line not doing much to inspire confidence. But I will say, you know, Freeman had one of his better games rushing, and I think it was mostly because of uh, good line play. Like there was actually some decent running lanes in the running game this game that because we were behind, we didn't exploit as much, but when they did run, it was relatively good. So another kind of like upward trending week for the running game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Freeman, he's, he's effective. <laughs> I think it's, it's been uh, now, as I'm looking back here, four weeks in a row with at least 60 total scrimmage yards. And that includes two games where he had close to 100 against Chicago and Pittsburgh. Miami didn't do so well, but they had 79 rushing yards against Minnesota. Since the bye, they seem to have figured out that this guy is the RB1 and just giving carries to Murray sparingly. I know Murray had the touchdown, but that's pretty much all he did last game. Jerk. Um, (laughs) It's it. it. (laughs) That's all he did. Fantasy players everywhere. He had 20 snaps and only one carry for the touchdown. I was just like, man, I Freeman. I should have been Batemans. If you're counting on Latavius Murray to get you points at this point, you're, you, you're, your season's over. You're, you're That's what I'm saying, but bowl. I have Freeman, and I think Freeman's been a decent play these last couple of weeks, and I played him oh, because I had been. to. Yeah. Yeah. I had to, and then he didn't get the touchdown. I was like, man. Oh, that's okay. I see what you're saying. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're lamenting the fact that Freeman didn't get the touchdown rather than having the you know the the five people who are you know winning their their grandparents league with murray as their rb2 (laughs) (laughs) celebrating that touchdown yeah Yeah, if you're playing murray at this point like you have some massive cojones (laughs) the rest of your team is stacked you must have top three position everywhere else but yeah i mean you know i think we've we just figured out what to expect from freeman every week he's gonna get you between you know 50 to 60 yards on the ground, a couple things through the air. I didn't get a touchdown this week, but he's gotten a touchdown three of the past six weeks. He's solid for this team. They can 
You know, it's at least giving them something in the run game, something to keep the defense honest and not have to just sit back there and play the pass the whole time. Speaking of which, man, Mr. Rayborg over here, your bold prediction got screwed over, I feel like, by uh, the officiating crew. I'm pretty sure that was a touchdown by uh, Bateman. It was close. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was pretty close. I'm pretty sure somebody posted something and said he was robbed. <laughs> if you look at yeah, the, I watched the, the replay and like just like literally right now I'm like watching the last uh, last couple drives while we're talking, and I saw it and I was like, I feel like he definitely got in. Like upon like seeing it again, I'm like, come I'm, on. I'm telling you, man, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's a travesty that Bateman has not hit the like. I mean, he had an incredible game. We haven't even really talked about him much this game, but I mean, he and Mark Andrews both over 100 yards. Mark Andrews was definitely the safety blanket as he was, you know, with Lamar, same with Huntley. I think, Peter, you said this. He always shows up against the Browns. Always, always, always. Um, they, you know, they cannot cover him. It's like quantum physics for them. They just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. But, uh, but Bateman, too, man. Huntley just threw up a couple of those balls and just let him get it. I mean, yeah, that one that should have been a touchdown was just incredible body control to be able to come back to that and be able to fight through the safety and, and get down to the one, i.e. end zone. God, that's, that's so disappointing, though. I saw that. I was like, come on. You couldn't give us one call. Incredible. So I'm excited, though. He and Hollywood, man. God, if we can figure them out and just next year, next year might be the year where we can unlock them. Oh, that'll be great. 11 catches for Andrews on 11 targets, 7 catches for Bateman on 8 targets. Bet you're feeling pretty good if you listen to, you know, a uh, certain fantasy football podcast last week that told you he was a definite drop candidate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I'll say that, man, Andrews, when he carried like four defenders for 20 yards on that one catch and run, unbelievable, you know? Just like he wanted it. He was so hyped. He's been having... A great year after getting his uh, well-deserved contract, but I think honestly, man, one other thing I'll, I'll like give props to Huntley, and I hope you know Lamar kind of learns from Huntley. Just like seems to trust his guys a bit more. I think ever since the interceptions, Lamar's been trying not to throw the interception and has been a little bit more conservative with the ball. Um, and I think while we're saying like Lamar throwing off your back foot, never a great idea, Lamar throwing some 50-50 balls to guys like Bateman, Highwood, and Andrews. Just, like, let them go do their thing, you know? Uh, trust your guys. And that's what I think... I mean, I don't think Bateman was open, but Bateman's always kind of open. He's, like, one of those guys where you just throw his way and he'll make it work. I encourage Lamar to try that sometimes, <laughs> you know? Like, I think it's time when he gets back to act like you have nothing to lose because really like what does he have to lose at this point all he can do is help us you know win a championship by playing his best ball and i think his best ball is not thinking as much yeah definitely all right moving on to the defensive side of the ball which again put up a pretty good performance despite giving up 24 points um i think the thing you know let's start out positive front seven played an excellent game held the cleveland rushing attack to 100 yards exactly on 29 carries Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined only had 64. This was even without Calais Campbell for most of the game. One of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. The secondary is beat up, but the front seven is really starting to catch a stride here. Yeah, I feel like lots of good play. Um, Justin Metabuke, I feel like, is stacking together 
some really good games. I, I mean, I think that was a common criticism from us earlier in the season where just there are a lot of games where you kind of disappear, really wouldn't show up in the stat sheet. And just from like an eye test, kind of would get blocked out of plays and things like that. But now it seems like he's definitely is, is one of the guys to help contribute, be able to collapse those rush lanes. Broderick Washington also, I think, had a pretty good game as well. And I, if I recall, it might be his was it his first sack of his career of Baker? Um, although, no, actually, it was an incompletion because it was overruled. So it wasn't a sack. But uh, he had a pretty good game as well. And, uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like although we're not seeing as much from the pass rush, guys like Houston, Owe, like Bowser, all really kind of helping to be able to clog those rush lanes. And it's been working pretty well for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, man, the run defense is really solid. The pass defense, when they're not letting up 50-yard plays, is really solid. Like, I think... The defense, like the last couple of weeks, you gotta be happy with the growth that you've seen. And uh, I'll echo that Washington had a really good game, which is really reassuring to see when you have an aging defensive line that's gonna need step up play from the guys on the roster, including any rookies that they acquired in the draft next year. Big plus for this defense. I think another great thing that we saw with the defense is the ability for guys like Westry and Averett to kind of step up and fill in these gaps. Like, obviously, they had their miscue that led to yards being gained that otherwise shouldn't have been. But you also finally got an interception from Averitt. He was definitely due. And uh, I thought Westry had good coverage most of the game. And, I I mean, for the fourth guy up, fifth guy up, pretty admirable. God, that P.I. call on Westry was just bogus, man. So bogus. It was not P.I. It was excellent coverage. <laughs> he made a play on the ball. Too. He made a if play anything, it was play on Landry, the ball too. Right, right yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's so yeah. obnoxious. It's so obnoxious. And Westry still covered him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he almost he almost pulled a Mark Andrews. Like, I mean, he had his one arm back and trying to make a play on that. He was trying to like scoop it with one arm. Like, if he would have made that, and they still would have called P.I., like I wouldn't have been surprised. But like that would have been incredible. Yeah, that was tough one for the secondary but they did finally get an interception like you said I mean for, should have had another Brandon Stevens had that one <laughs> two right chances in his on hands. one play <laughs> man that that uh. was that was tough to see but the second week of hot potato yep you know in a lot of games this game was pretty much the Minnesota game offense struggled early defense gave up some big plays in the first half but then after that clamped down the defense didn't give up any points in the second half Cleveland just kind of went on cruise control, feeling like they won the game, I guess, and it really put up a really poor showing on offense in in the second half. And now, granted, the Ravens' defense had a lot to do with that as well, though. It's not just like, you know, just that the Browns uh, played poorly. The Ravens' defense showed a lot of fight in doing their part to keep the game within reach for the Ravens' offense. And really, they did their job. Ravens had a shot at the end of it to to win. Obviously, it, it didn't work out, but you couldn't have asked for anything better from the defense in the second half, except for a touchdown. But those are those are rare and somewhat luck driven. Yeah, I mean, the defense only let up seventeen points. The other seven were from that fumble. That's true. And right. Again, like if you tell us seventeen points were let up by the defense with this Ravens offense, you think that's enough for a win? Obviously, you don't have Lamar Jackson, but you do have the other playmakers on the team. It almost was. I can't be mad at the defense at this point in the season. They're very beat up, just like the offense. I think they're playing above their pay grade. I think Wink has been 
adjusting well. The thing that I saw change was that the Browns were able to get a lot of short yardage plays in the beginning of the game, throwing to the outlets. And eventually we just started covering those better and they felt as though they didn't have a response to that. And then that's when they didn't score any points and we clogged up the running attack. I, I, I know Hunt got hurt a little early on, but Darius Johnson's no joke. And obviously Chubb's one of the best backs in the league. Like how can you be that mad about what you saw from the defense? I think the only thing we need to work on is the jugs machine. <laughs> Get those interceptions, like the tackling. It seems like they figured out tackling now catching (laughs) yeah i mean it really is incredible that the defense has taken the turn that they have and i I do feel like we're in a very interesting spot in the season going forward because i know for for myself at least i've been a lot more optimistic through the raven struggles than i would usually be in a season with this many injuries but you look at it and how the season started, the offense was on fire, probably the best we've ever seen it. And the defense was giving up big play after big play. Couldn't stop anyone. You couldn't trust the defense at all. And it just kind of felt like at that time, it was like, if we can get the defense to just be league average, this team could go pretty far. We got the defense to be arguably better than that. And the defense is firing on all, on almost all cylinders but then immediately when that started, the offense decided to to take a vacation. So, you know, we were while Lamar was still healthy, it, it kind of felt like we were just like, okay, once he just gets back on his stride, we're going to have both sides of the, of the team uh, clicking on all cylinders. And, of course, we know we always have the special teams. Ravens have one of the best special teams units in the league. So before <laughs> this Lamar injury, that's kind of how things felt. Like, you know, we get the offense back to where it was and keep the defense where it is. This team's going to be really good. Um, but now the question is going to be how much can this defense carry a broken secondary and a uh, hobbled offense with very arguably very four tough games left to go before the end of the season. So I guess that's an interesting question to, to talk about. We knew that this game from an offensive perspective was going to be the easiest one with what's left. The secondary, like we said, held their weight after a difficult start. But can we expect them to continue to find a patchwork solution against offenses like Cincinnati and and Green Bay? I feel like this kind of ties right into listener Pete's question about going forward with uh, Lamar's injury. How fast do you bring him back? Do you see if you can limit his running ability against the Packers and see if he is able to play? If the ankles are able to hold up a bit or do you try to save him for a playoff race and I'll be honest, I think if um, he's banged up and can't be mobile and a tackle uh, with these, you know, our tackle situations, if he gets hit poorly, uh, would knock him out for longer, I'd let him rest up entirely and play Huntley until you need him to heroically, you know, hop on the field. Maybe he's an emergency player, right? Was that what they did with uh, Henderson last week? They had Michelle as the lead back, and if Michelle got hurt, Henderson would come in. Maybe you do something with like that with Huntley, because at this point, maybe the injured Lamar is better than, you know, Sam Cook. <laughs> but uh, the uh, Kenji Bahar, I think, is on the practice squad. Probably better than Kenji Bahar. <laughs> Lamar, Lamar could pull a uh, what was it? Um, Byron Leftwich, who couldn't even like move. They had to like carry him from snap mm-hmm. to snap. 
<laughs> he might be at that point. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. At least my take on it. Um, We'll get more into it, I think, in the next episode as far as the Packers game. But it's going to be a pretty tough game in general, um, unless we think the Packers are, are kind of overlooking this game. This might be a trap game for them, which I'm sure we'll talk about more next episode. But uh, I'm, I'm honestly in favor for that. I mean, obviously the Ravens could use every win that they can get, but I'd much rather than prioritize the two division games that we have remaining um, and the Rams game just because it's you know a couple of weeks out. Worst comes to worst, right? If if they drop the game to the Packers and, you know, let's say they're, they're still within a game, they should still with, be within a game of the Bengals, right? If they win that game, they'll have the head-to-head tiebreaker. They should be a game ahead of them. So um, I would I, I'd want Lamar for that game if, if possible. Um, I just want him to be healthy. But to be honest, man, like I want Lamar to be healthy, but I want Lamar like – 20 you know 2019 Lamar like I I I don't want this Lamar the past six weeks where you know the the offense has been middling it just hasn't been good and he hasn't been performing very well I don't want that Lamar back I want MVP Lamar back like that's the one we need like if we're gonna make a run in these playoffs that's the Lamar that we need right now and if he's not there then keep throwing out Huntley because it's no sense in risking further injury to him because at this point this late in the season we don't want anything you know serious like an ACL or an Achilles or something where that starts to affect next season I agree with what both of you guys are saying um Lamar Jackson is the future of this team I have seen some takes recently where some fans have commented on on Twitter or on Facebook how uh the past couple weeks of Lamar's performance has shown that he doesn't deserve a big contract uh, from the Ravens. And that's, that's bullshit. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) We've seen what this guy can do. You can't just take a couple game sample size where, you know, he he's coming off this virus. Like I said last week, I still don't know personally if he's fully over this virus, if it was bad enough to knock him out for as long as it did. You can also can't just take a small sample. Players go through slumps in, in every sport. It's obviously you know more noticeable in sports that play more games per week, like like baseball and basketball. But you know it, it can happen. And we, we saw at the beginning of the season this guy was playing out of his mind. He he could he was running, and we saw him just drop dead accurate. He, he's gonna get out of this slump at some point. But something's up with his game. We don't know if it's mental, physical, what it is. And Huntley's offering a spark to this offense. You don't want to rush Lamar back. Um, I'm thinking back, you know, we're having this discussion. I'm thinking back to 2013, that game on, uh, against the Lions on Monday Night Football where Justin Tucker took it easy on the Lions and only kicked a 61-yarder to win. Flacco got injured on, in that game. I believe it was his knee a couple plays before that play. And the Ravens, um, I mean, I guess they could have gone with, with Tyrod Taylor at that point in his career. He hadn't he didn't have any starting NFL experience, but they threw Flacco out there for the final two games of the season, and he he couldn't play. Like he he was not very good in either of those two games, and the Ravens lost handedly in both of them. If Lamar is not going to be able to go out there and he physically can't do all the things that we know he can do when he is healthy. And you got someone like Huntley who fits the offense and with some better ball security and some more confidence can do a lot of special things. He, he, he's not going to be MVP Lamar, but he can still do enough to win you games. I agree. I, I say you, you run him out there until it becomes a disaster 
at which point then you can you can throw Lamar in there and if you do make the playoffs then you're definitely starting Lamar but yeah and in a season where you've had to go to so many plan B C's and D's uh I I think it's worth a shot not saying it's definitely the right decision but just see if it gives you a you a spark that this offense has been lacking the past couple weeks for sure I think uh, before we go into moral victory awards, we do have one more listener question to address, which was the uh, going for two question. He said, do you think Harbs was playing for the win when he went for two so early? Uh, he proved in Pittsburgh he's not interested in the tie. Was his mindset to score twice and get two two-point conversions? To Brian, I say, I'm not sure if he was trying to do two two-point conversions. I would say probably not given with how the defense was playing in this game and just how the momentum was going. But I do think the first two-pointer was a no-brainer because you you got to do it at one point or another, right? If it wasn't then, you do it later. But later, you don't have as much information or as much time to react. So you have to do it early. There's uh, I, I feel like there's no other argument <laughs> for that one. You know, The only thing you can say is like, oh, they'd be better off later on to convert the two-point conversion you have more tape on them or more injuries have occurred but the injuries could happen to you so you go for it early it changes i mean because at this point it was like nine minutes left in the game that's a lot of time uh, i really can dramatically change the way you approach the game so you go for it early and i think with the way the defense is playing i i kick i kick the extra point and go into overtime if i have to that's me yeah i mean the way i look at it is like you're saying um the, they were down so they scored that touchdown, and it's 15-24, to 24, right? So you're down nine. You're going to need to do a two-point conversion at one point um, if you don't have enough time to go on a third scoring drive. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Yeah, you go with it earlier. There's less pressure, I would think, on the team to go to, through it then because you know you have more time to make up for it. As it. There's more game time, whereas if there's more pressure if you're doing it at the end of the game because, you know, if you miss that play, that, that's it but that's how I see it. I, I think it's a lot more clearer than last week because last week you're talking about going for the tie or or the win, whereas this week it was with how the, the lops, you know, the kind of crooked score numbers that were there, uh, a two-point conversion attempt at some point was pretty much inevitable to even tie. So Yeah, it just seems like a weird... I don't know. I mean, it's a good question. I think a lot of people have been talking about it to try and like, you know, what was the thought process there? But I, I don't, I don't see the downside of it. Right. It's like all the opportunities were there to be able to score. The Ravens just, you know, couldn't get it right. Every other thing fell their way. Like I would understand if they didn't go for it. And then for whatever reason, like, you know, they lost an opportunity later or something or, but like they made all their other opportunities. Right. So right. like they were, everything else went right. It just seems weird to kind of question like, well, okay, if you went for one there, okay, so what? And then you would have been 23 yeah. to 24. You still would have had to get another one, right? The one the one thing like, I will give to play devil's advocate is that play they ran didn't have a chance. Um, so you could make the argument that maybe the Ravens should have called timeout there and just been like, this play looked like it had a, a – the Browns are lined up correctly. This play had a low chance of success anyway. You would have lost a timeout there, um, but – this wasn't the case where you know the, the of the two point conversion last time where the Ravens got the look they wanted, but yeah, even then, I think the Ravens made the right choice there. It wasn't a choice that was you know ideal, but I, I think they were kind of backed into a corner that that was what they had to try there, and unfortunately, it just didn't work out. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, the other thing, too, is, you know, the Ravens continue to not score on their opening drive and fall to yep. lesser teams. <laughs> it's like, if you score there, you don't have this problem at the end of trying to figure yeah. out how to win this game. It's like, come on, guys. Didn't you know you only had one quarter of Lamar Jackson today? You wasted your one quarter of Lamar Jackson. What were you guys thinking? <laughs> right. Like, at this point, like I would have I had Huntley for the first three quarters, have him score a bunch of things, and then have Lamar at the fourth quarter, because I'd rather have fourth quarter Lamar than first quarter Lamar. First quarter Lamar is not very good this year. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, do we want to go into some moral victories? <laughs> oh, man, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, uh, I'll give mine to Justin Tucker, elite one sidekick, elite Sammy Hagar, 55, including other kicks in this game. He was our whole offense when uh, we were up you know, 24-9. It was all him. All the Justin Tucker show before the uh, offense started putting touchdowns on the, on the board. So my kudos to Justin Tucker for making this game close. I think my joke moral victory award is to uh, fantasy managers. You still have some fab left to take advantage of everyone who listen to the awful fantasy football advice to drop Rashad Bateman. You can probably win your championship pretty easily if you outbid everyone now. Um, <laughs> but in, in reality, though, I think I do have to, to give the moral victory award to Bateman. I mean, the guy's a beast, and I don't know why he was out of the game plan the past couple of weeks. I'd have to look at the tape further to see if, if he was covered or just, you know, they just didn't feel like he had good looks against the defense. But the guy's a future star in this league. I'm continuing to say it. Alex continuing to say it. Chris is continuing to say it. You heard it here. If for some reason you didn't hear it any, somewhere else, because I think a lot of people in the fan base are very high about this guy and around the league, but he's good. He's going to be good for a while, and it's really exciting to watch him play. Yeah, well, uh, I'll say my, my first one. Well, Jimmy Smith didn't play this game. Um, unfortunately, he was a, a late, uh, healthy scratch, and I think a lot of people were surprised about that. He... Uh, he had a child, so he was actually staying oh, in Baltimore. And congrats, Jimmy! His, Hope uh, you're getting some sleep. Child with his fiance. So, um, <laughs> congrats! I mean, congrats to him. Uh, congrats to him for that. So that's one of my moral victories. But uh, he didn't play. The uh, my other moral victory is uh, Huntley. I, I mean, uh, like I said earlier, uh, I was kind of checked out <laughs> after Lamar went down. It was like, oh God, this is the end of the season. Really feeling down. And uh, by the end of the game, I was like. I was very impressed from from Huntley. Just uh, he seemed so much better than he was in the against the Bears, and you know I, I feel like it's kind of rare to be able to have that. I know, you know, for for years back when Tyrod was here, you know, everybody was like, oh, he's you know one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league, and I think he was for for a time, but he never really like had a super impressive games. A lot of the games that I remember from Tyrod, he just like kind of really collapsed. Just was not a really good quarterback, and Huntley like it, it felt like a Lamar game. I mean, just a Lamar-like game. I mean, the stats were there. Good completion percentage, 270 yards. He played very, very well. And, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, Peter, I think you called the onside kick, and then they got it. And I was like, you're a savant. We got this. We're going to go. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I would not I would not have expected that from Huntley uh, at, at any point prior to this game. And the fact that we were even in that position, I think, just shows a lot from him. Awesome moral victories. I do think there are moral victories to pull out of losses because as you've seen throughout the season, we need to keep building up as a team, getting these little wins here and there to just become the full-grown team that they'll need to win a Super Bowl, you know? I know it's thinner than ever. I know it's harder than ever to see that happening for this Ravens team, but we can uh, keep believing that 
a horseshoe will enter our lives and take us to the promised land. You can follow us, Ravens underscore recap on Twitter. Thank you for your questions this week. It's always fun to answer listener questions. And email us, feedback at ravensrecap.com. We will be back later in the week to talk about this Packers game, which if you're going to, congratulations, because tickets are through the roof. <laughs> Thought about going to this game for a long time, but I'm going to sit this one out, watch it from home. But uh, enjoy the game. Make some noise. Let's see if the Ravens can get that surprise win against the Packers, even in their dilapidated state. Go Ravens. We'll see you later in the week. Chris, I think if you uh, pull up your microphone a little bit, that'll be good too. Pull up here. Yeah, there you are. That sultry, that sultry Chris Rayborg voice. How you doing? <laughs> That's I'm what the <laughs> Butterflies on your neck. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh man, I'm recording locally. <laughs> <laughs> I have too. If you want to splice that in anywhere, uh, let me know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and a one, that, and a two, and a one, two, three, and a one, two, three. <laughs>